Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. This is episode number 201. We have, like, I think we have three good movies, three interesting movies to actually cover this week on Cinematics. Two of them starring Kyle Gallner. There's a movie called What Comes Around, starring Gallner. There's a, another film called The Passenger, which Eric and Bruce were nice enough to actually start the show a little bit later and let me actually finish The Passenger. And finally, there is a film, a music biopic, actually... It's more of a drama. We'll get to the reason why it's more of a drama, and Eric will talk about it. It's called Dreaming Wild. Actually, not Dreaming Wild, or it's Dreamin' Wild. Dreamin so wild. that's the story of Joe. Dreamin' Wild. That is the story of Donnie and Joe Emerson. They are the brothers who actually released a really interesting album back in 79, only to wait for over 30 years of obscurity before it actually finally popped, thanks to Light in the Attic Records. Eric Holmes, you actually did interview... The real life people, at least a couple of people for Dreamin' Wild. Can you tell our listeners what you did this week regarding, or last week regarding Dreamin' Wild? Yeah, it was the, so Dreamin' Wilds with uh, uh, Casey Affleck plays uh, Donnie Emerson. Walt Goggins plays his brother. And I got to, uh, Zoe Deschanel plays uh, Nancy Emerson. And I got to interview Donnie and Nancy Emerson, the people who, of which the movie's based on. And it was really cool because uh, normally you get to, you know, you talk uh, to the filmmakers or you talk to the actors and, uh, oh, how, how how real was it? Oh, yeah, we, we spent time with blah, blah, blah. But it was really cool to talk to the actual people and get their thoughts on what they thought of the movie. And it's a really interesting interview. I actually put the entire thing up on the Deepest Dream YouTube channel. And Eric actually got really personal with Nancy and Donnie Emerson. It was a really good interview. So check that out on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. I also I haven't put it up as of yet. I interviewed Amy Redford for the one of the movies we're going to be reviewing this week called What Comes Around. So yeah, that's it. I, also, there's so many YouTube channels that I'm trying to juggle, but you know, you can actually see all of our interviews right now, at, at least for this as of the recording of this episode on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. And we're also trying to build our cinematics universe as well. Bruce, last week, how's the week been for you as far as watching movies? Have you seen, is there a quality movie that you actually saw within the last seven days? I saw several quality movies in the last seven, seven days. I'll say that. So some of them that we have for the show and one of them outside of the show. Okay, speaking of YouTube channels, check out our cinematics <laughs> YouTube channel for Sympathy for the Devil. Sympathy for the Devil, Nicholas Cage. There's a Nicolas Cage movie that actually we're not covering this week for cinematics that Eric and I got into a little bit of a spoiler stuff. Eric, we're not going to talk about Sympathy for the Devil, but what can you say about this movie? Should people see it if it's in theaters very yes, quickly? I, I, I believe when we were talking about it. I gave it four stars. And then we talked about it some more. I bumped it up to four and a half. And then we got into spoilers. I'm like, you know what? This is a five star movie. So it, it the, and, and that, I, after we talked, the more I thought about it, like the more I love that movie. It's it, if you love Nicolas Cage, it's a great Nicolas Cage movie. You're forgetting Joel Kinnaman. What, what if you love Joel Kinnaman, Eric? I like Joel Kinnaman a lot. A lot of people don't. But if you don't like Joel Kinnaman, maybe this will turn you around. But I'm, it, Joel Kinnaman's a weird one. I, I think he's great, but I know a lot of people don't. But yeah, Joel Kinnaman's great in this as well. And for people... Eric, for I'm sure there's going to be some people who do not watch our Sympathy for the Devil spoiler section on our Cinematics YouTube. What can you tell us about the RoboCop remake? Is it almost as good as the original? Hashtag hot take. No, and I th I think that's I think that's the why a lot of people don't like it because RoboCop, the Paul Verhoeven one, such a classic and such a great movie that to remake it seems sacrilegious to a lot of people. But my personal opinion on the remake is it kind of does its own thing, and I like where it goes. Not as good as the original, but I think as remakes go, especially remakes with Stone Cold classics, it, I don't know, you can't, you can't do much better. But again, I'm alone. In that there, uh, in that idea, from what I hear of a lot of people, so there's that. Finally, before we get to our features, we're doing a cinematics Patreon for this month. This month being August, we're covering the year 2010. We do a rotating pick. We do two movies, rotating pick. Last month, Bruce Perky chose Notting Hill. The Patreon members chose The Sixth Sense. 
this month for 2010, this month for August, we have 2010. It's Eric Holmes' turn for the rotating pick. Eric, can you tell our listeners what movie we are going to spotlight? What is your pick? Currently, it's Trash Humpers, and I think I found a, uh, I think I found it streaming on a uh, thing online. So if that's available, it'll be Trash Humpers. Uh, if we got to call an audible, it'll be because we can't find it. But as of right now, it's Trash Humpers. Why Trash Humpers? Because you just wanted to get people who hump trash into our Patreon community. Is there, there why or is there's there? there's that, and also <laughs> Trash Humpers is kind of like one of those uh, legendary type movies, like. People have heard of it, but I don't think a lot of people have seen it, uh, myself included. So it uh, seemed like a good one. Is that Harmony Korine? Okay, so join or, or is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I okay. think it's Harmony Korine. Which, by the way, I found out that there's, a, I, I don't know if it's an anthology or what, but there's something with uh, Gaspar No, Harmony Korine, and Nicholas Winning Refn. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I'll have to go find that, too. Wow. A lot of, a lot of movies to watch. But again, 2010. It's going to be very interesting. Trash Humper, supposedly, hopefully, there will be a streaming option for us to see this Harmony Korean-directed movie. And for the second pick for our Patreon, that will go to you. Members of our Patreon community will vote on the 2010 movie that they want all three of us to cover. Hopefully, it's going to be an interesting pick. So that is it. So check out our Cinematics Patreon for our bonus episode, as well as spoiler stuff. We just, we're just doing a lot of different things. And who knows, maybe down the road. Eric will do something with the merch as far as a discount codes, or maybe we'll do a discord. Maybe we'll do a, a lot of things. We're, we're, what, yes, Eric. Uh, we do have a, you, we you do have probably, a new item up on the merch uh, on finderfilmpodcast.com as well. Uh, if you have a dog that loves uh, movies to watch movies with you, we have a pet t-shirt that you can buy for your pet. <laughs> and that's good that you note that because I looked at it. I thought, that's a cool shirt. I'm going to get that. And i like, it looks kind of weird. And I would, I would have ordered that shirt and I would have tried to put it on. I would have been like, what's wrong with this shirt? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a pet t-shirt. So if you walk on two legs, it's probably not going to fit right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, so that, that's the thing that now exists along with our shower curtains which uh by the way <laughs> guess how many shower curtains we've sold since we made them 6.9 is what i'm guessing zero, zero? We, we've sold uh, zero of them, zero. But, zero. but they're available for those who want them <laughs> now, okay anyway so find your film podcast.com is where you can get our merch now let's get to our featured reviews we have dreaming wild it comes out on friday august 4th Hi, buddy. Love you, Dad. Hey, Nitz. Where's the band? They bailed. Seriously? I'm trying to run a business here. Also, the bank called. Hey, brother. Joe? I got something to tell you. Dad had a call yesterday from a guy at a record company. He says he heard our record and, uh... Our record? What do you mean? Dreaming wild. Great to meet you. I wanted to talk to you about this. There it is. It's Raymond Wild. That's you guys? Yeah, that's us. This album is unbelievable. Truly. It really just blew my mind. How did you do it? Donnie made it all right here. Donnie, what you got going on over there? I was playing around. Donnie's a genius, truthfully. And then what happened? We're going to need some more money to get these last few songs finished. My dad lost a lot. We find albums that never found an audience. We try to give them a second chance. And based on all the buzz the record has got, you've seen that, right? During its finest moments, to twist a Brian Wilson phrase, Dreamin' Wild is a godlike symphony to teenhood. Brian Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> well, heck, let's celebrate. <laughs> you got a gift. You got to use it. I believe in you, boys. New York Times wanted to do a story on you guys. Are you kidding me? And now he wants it to be the kickoff for a tour. It's so weird to have this now. I'm not sure what to do with all of it. I have spent my whole life trying to make music. It's just fun for you. It's not just fun for me. Feel so good walking side by side. When we made that album, we were so happy. Just didn't know anything about the world. Things were a lot easier when I was a teenager. I'm just sorry to have to put you through all of it. 
you know, my son. I would have gladly given up all the land just to hear you play. And again, it centers on the true story of Donnie and Joe Emerson. They're brothers. They're both really wonderful at music. Donnie is sort of the, I mean, if you could actually put the analogy to the Beach Boys, he's sort of the Brian Wilson of the two. So he's very passionate about music. And even at an early age, he's playing all these instruments. He's engineering. He's sound mixing all in this really, uh, in this cabin right near to this farmhouse, big farm land that they live on. Live on. They, they've been raised on raised by their father. Her, their father is played by Bo Bridges. He plays Don Sr. So it centers a little bit on the past with them recording that first album, and you get to see some of their family life. But the heart of the movie centers on almost present day, around 2011, 2012, where Donnie Emerson, played by Casey Affleck, he actually discovers that, well, along he discovers along with his family that his album, Dreamin' Wild, which was in, in obscurity, when it was released back in 79, is now some 30 plus years later, back in the mainstream. And thanks to Light in the Attic Records, a reissue, it's become very popular. And it's really helped by their lead song, Baby, which is very, it's a earworm. I, lo- I love it. I don't know, Bruce, do you like that song, Baby? Have you listened? What do you think of that song, Baby? Yeah, the stuff they have is, you could have been on the airwaves back in those days, for sure. Yeah, could have that baby could have definitely been on that, that airwave. So, anyways, Casey Affleck plays Donnie Emerson, Emerson. Zoe Deschanel plays his wife, Nancy. The brother, like Eric said, is played by Walton Goggins. That is Dreaming Wild. It, yeah, it's a little bit of a music biopic, but ex- like Eric said in the interview, it's more of a drama because it really delves more into the intricacies of the family and the stuff that they've left behind some years ago and some buried either resentment or just buried, uh, not even resentment, just some buried stuff that needs to actually get hashed out within the confines of Dreamin' Wild. Very interesting movie. So Dreamin' Wild, let's start off with you, Bruce Perky. What are your thoughts on this film? Written and directed by Bill Pollard, and he he actually helmed in 2014 that Brian Wilson film, uh, Love and Mercy, which I love. But what did you hmm. think, Bruce, of Dreamin' Wild? Um, yeah, uh, so I kind of came into this in a weird way, like I didn't know when I started watching it that I'd heard about the story, but very quickly I was like, wait, this sounds a lot like that story that I already heard about. So I had heard about this record being discovered and the whole kind of phenomenon of it. I don't know. I want to say five or six years ago. I'm not sure when the actual story was written, but five or six years ago, I, I, I kind of heard the general story of this, but I didn't really know a lot about like kind of the intricate dealings of the brothers and, you know, kind of how things came to pass and how they are feeling now with their musical career slash lack of career when they get rediscovered, I guess. So that was kind of interesting to me. And then the other thing was just having lived in the Northwest, hearing them say things like, oh, we're going to actually get to play the showbox. Oh my God. So (laughs) having been to the showbox many, many, many times, but also thinking like in Eastern Washington, does anyone really know the showbox? It's not that big of a venue. Anyway, weird little things like that. Whenever you watch something that's from your area, like, well, probably all the time for you, Greg, because it's all California and LA. But uh, yeah. you always kind of compare like your reality and stuff to it. But all that being said, I thought this was a pretty good movie. Um, I think the characters are really good. I think the story is very interesting. The execution for me is a little, a little too subdued almost for me. Um, and part of that is Casey Affleck. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of, of sad sack Casey Affleck walking through every movie lately. Like, I mean, I've seen it. He was great in Ghost Story, where he had just had to sit behind a sheet, and, and he was he was really good in uh, oh the well, the really depressing one, uh, <laughs> Manchester Manchester by the yeah, Sea. Yeah, Manchester by the Sea. He was really good in that one, but same thing. It's just him kind of moping and wandering around various places, thinking about how his life isn't the way it should be, and he kind of does that again in this movie too. I really felt it sparked up when they got to the music and when you had the flashbacks and when they did the music again, and I kind of just wanted them to do a little more of that. I mean, it wasn't like I had a bad time watching it, but it was just so, so paced, so languorous. I don't know, I'm not using the right word, but you know, just, I mean, I know it's supposed to be like sitting with these people and it's country living and, and kind of just with them as people, but there was definitely a lot of not happening between the stuff that was happening. And they really kind of also didn't get, and I know why, but they did give hardly any time to the wife character. As much as I don't like Zoe Stationel, I'm one of the weird ones that doesn't, I don't like her at all. I would mm. have still liked to have seen her character more in this movie. Cause I felt like that was kind of interesting and key because the whole idea was 
she had kind of taken the Donnie role away, you know, like, so there was built in like possible conflict there, or at least what were her feelings more and what was his feelings more. And I would have liked to explore that a little more. And I'm sure there was stuff that actually happened there, but you can only do so much in a movie. So I would say for me, it's a mild or mild recommend, but I'm not wholeheartedly yelling from the rooftops for this movie. I am wholeheartedly yelling at the rooftops for this movie. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, I meant, mentioned it a bunch in the uh both the interviews but the this feels like uh the antithesis of crazy heart with jet bridges another movie i love but this is like the happy version of it because a lot of the conflict comes from you know you have the family that they all love each other but they don't want to lay each other down you know the donnie wants to oh you know donnie sees what his dad gave up for him and he wants to he wants to give that back. He wants that to pay off because, oh, my dad had so much land and he's just getting less and less and less because uh, he's, you know, helping me with my music career that's not going anywhere. And now I have a chance to pay that back and I need this to go perfect. But my brother's just not good. He hasn't been keeping up at drums. He's just not good. You know, he doesn't have the chops anymore. And how do I tell him no? And meanwhile, his brother, uh, Walton Goggins, who Walton Goggins is always great. And he's kind of the the other side of that of like, I don't have my drum chops anymore, but this is really important to my brother. And I can't tell him, no, I can't let him down. So it's kind of like the, you know, they both want the same thing, but they're, they're too afraid to tell each other because, you know, they don't want to hurt each other's feelings. And, and then the, the final scene, we mentioned that in the, uh, the interviews as well, the final scene, just, I loved it. I absolutely loved every second Good. of it. And I got, I got the hat because a lot of movies do the thing that they do in dreaming wild. This did it in such a way that I think it's more earned as opposed to a just, Oh, cool. We're going to attack this on it then just so you can see what the real people look like. And uh, what did you think about Bruce, Bruce's assertion that it's a little bit just toned down. It's a, I don't know. I'm, I was I'm surprised because that's usually what that. I say about movies like this. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, I love Walton Goggins and Casey Affleck. I love this story. And I just really, uh, really attached to the uh, the emotional beats of this a lot, you know, because there's I didn't have a album that did nothing and then all of a sudden became a big thing like that part didn't happen to me. But there's a lot of uh, parallels between my life and the characters lives in this and how they go. So it it hit me on an emotional level and not like a, even though Casey Affleck is kind of a sad sack in this, but like, I get why. And, but the movie's not sad to me. This is like a, a happy movie. Cause like, even though Casey Affleck's sad, I know that his family's going to bring him back because they love him that much. And th- this is like one of those sad movies, but it's like happy, sad movie. Mm, okay. So I, I do agree with Bruce that regarding if the the tempo the tempo is a little bit just a little somber and it goes at a certain at, at its own pace and I think some people may not jibe with the pace of Dreaming Wild. I did. I absolutely love this movie. Bo Bridges as a father. We have to mention him. He's fantastic in this film. Yeah. Whereas Don Senior, he's basically there's. Look, I, I'm trying to look in. I was trying to look um, on the YouTube comments. Someone was saying that it was just a little bit too talky. I think that's another thing where there's some there's an exposition late in third act, which I think may turn off some people. But I was all about that. It, it got to certain moments which I didn't get as emotionally invested as you, Eric. But I I was still it did catch me. It did catch me with its level of resonance and as far as just the brothers talking and trying to talk to each other in a heart to heart basis. Very well done. I was just really invested. And yeah, Casey Affleck, if you're tired of the Casey Affleck, that kind of performance, it, <laughs> it is, we've seen Casey Affleck do this before, but he's so good regarding, at it. but he's so, well, yes, he's good at it, but that's kind of how Donnie was. And that's the, at least the character. I mean, the person in this movie, because he's holding so much in, there's a lot of stuff that he's trying to process and he just doesn't want people to know. And like Eric was saying, there's just a lot of still waters run deep with Donnie Emerson and Walton Goggins as his brother, Joe's fantastic. He's, he's just sort of the easygoing guy who's just wants to get along with everybody. So overall, I really, really love and enjoyed dreaming wild. Probably I think Eric's going to give it the best rating but i think i'm not going to be too far behind eric holmes on dreaming wild let's get with your rating 
Bruce Brookie for the movie? Uh, for me, I'll probably go three and a half on this one. It could be a four and a half or five star documentary, but as a dramatization, it's three and a half for me. Three and a half for Bruce Perky. I am giving it um, solid four and a half stars. Really, really love Dreaming Wild. And after after this movie, I started. I went on Spotify and started listening to some of some of Donnie and Joe's music music from way back when. Really good stuff. Oh, by the way, very quick little fact: the song "Baby" has over thirty million streams on Spotify. That is amazing. Eric Holmes, your rating on Dreaming Wild. I kind of only give this 6.9, but this doesn't seem like a 6.9 movie, so I'll just go five stars on this. But either way, I absolutely adore this movie. This uh, this uh, this movie's kind of like a breath of fresh air for me. Again, three and a half stars. Bruce Perky, I give it four and a half. Eric gives it five stars. Most importantly, tell us what you think of Dreaming Wild when it hits theaters, only theaters, remember this, on August 4th. What Comes Around is another movie named What Comes Around. What Comes Around stars Kyle Gallner and Summer Phoenix. Bruce, you, you had a very interesting description of the movie. Can, can you just share uh, to the listeners the what you're calling What wrote, Comes Around? Like, it's a, five minutes into this movie, I wrote, is this Nepo Baby the movie? Is what I wrote. <laughs> and people, because why, Bruce? <laughs> well, there's an Affleck in this movie. There's a Phoenix in this movie. There's a Van... Dean in this movie and a Redford in this movie. There's a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's sort of a, a Nepo baby film and it stars again. You mentioned Van Dean. It's directed by Amy Redford, obviously the daughter of Robert Redford. During the, my interview with Amy, I did not mention anything about her father, just out of respect. I did <laughs> drop the line Sundance very quickly <laughs> towards the end of the thing about indie cinema, indie cinema. So I, I think that's kind of like mentioning her dad. Anyways, Grace Van Dean. Daughter of Casper Van Dien. How come you didn't ask Casper that question, Eric Holmes, when you interviewed him for The Flood? What's going on with you, sir? I did, I did know about it till I saw this. Bruce, doesn't the best people like me like do the research as journalists? Shouldn't Eric Holmes, shouldn't he be, uh, do research before he interviews people, huh? <laughs> no, no. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. Also, uh, Grace Van Dien. Oh, who's her, who's her grandfather? Or am I thinking oh. of someone else? Robert uh, Mitchum. There you go. Yeah. Robert, yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. Oh. Nepo See? Grand, I, I know Grand Nepo I... baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, Grace Van Dien plays a teenager. She's a teen named Anna. Well, at the beginning of the movie, she's FaceTiming. Oh, there's just this generation. I, I was watching this uh, TV series, Netflix series called Heartstopper, and half of the series is them just talking on Instagram via DM. It's just something I have to get used to. Something you have to get used to with what comes around is the first several minutes has her FaceTiming or messaging the guy she has a crush on. Unfortunately, the guy she has a crush on is not in his teens. He's actually in his late 20s. And he's his name, he's a stranger. His name is played he's played by Kyle Gallner from Dinner in America. Kyle Gallner plays a stranger that Anna befriends over FaceTime. They read poetry. They she it's a it's a weird relationship because he's in his late 20s and they've never met. One day he decides to show up on her door and doorstep and Anna is freaked out, understandably so. And that's the premise of what comes around. We also have to mention that Summer Phoenix, the sister of Joaquin Phoenix, plays Beth, the mother of Anna. And Summer Phoenix is, I I liked her in this movie. I've always liked Summer Phoenix. And I mentioned that in their interview as well. So this is sort of a three-hander where it centers on Anna's relationship with this online stranger, as well as the mother, Beth, she has an important part to play in this drama. What comes around, Bruce Perky, your thoughts on this movie? Oh, back to me again, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, this uh, this movie is an elevated Lifetime movie, I guess. Probably elevated by some pretty good performances in here. But it's a pretty preposterous story. And as it goes, it becomes more preposterous. But it's entertaining enough, I guess I would say. So this one was—you <laughs> didn't mention he shows up to her doorstep on her birthday, just the oh, day she the became for reasons legal in that state. But yeah, it's just like—I mean, this movie starts out as the parents' worst nightmare. You know, older dude is talking to their young, innocent daughter on the line, and all of a sudden he shows up at their doorstep, and she's like in love, and and doesn't matter what they say, she's not giving up on him, and. He has a really sketchy background. He's what he's sleeping in his truck at the rest stop and calling her, not leaving town and all this kind of stuff. And all that's done pretty well. And he, and first of all, 
Kyle Gallner's great in this, as we're not to be surprised, but he does a great job here of like kind of playing the real unassuming. He's like an unassuming older guy and very um, charming, but also just a tiny little bit of creepiness in there, just enough to make you kind of go like, what's, what's, what's up with this guy? What's, what's going on here? And mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole first act, right? We're not going to, I'm not going to say what the second act is, but the whole first act is basically, you know, parents' nightmare, warnings, warnings. This is perfect lifetime movie. Like I said, a little bit better as far as the acting and, you know, it's just, it's done a little more seriously, but then it takes a twist into (laughs) ridiculousness. Um, And it does it in a pretty fun way. Uh, And then it plays it all the way out to the end and it gives it its, you know, it it follows it through. I didn't ever hate this movie. I liked it better than it probably should be that considering that it's kind of ridiculous. Everyone did a good, great job and they took it seriously. I think um, it wasn't camped up too much, which I appreciate. So I, I, it's okay. It's all right. I, I enjoyed this movie. I would, I would recommend this movie. It's a weird movie because it's described as an immersive thriller. Spoiler alert. This is not an immersive thriller. This no. is actually something different and it's more of a character drama exploration of and I think one of the good things about this is it explores sort of the interior lives, the situations of the teen, her mother, and the stranger. So throughout the, this eighty-five minute narrative, you get little pockets of the story or the life from each of their POVs, and you can understand. I mean, you can kind of understand where each of them are coming from, and eventually, when the rubber hits the road and you see there's a bit that big final, the third act. I think everything comes together. I agree with Bruce. Gallner to me is so look, friend of the show. We love we all love dinner in America, but he's fantastic in this movie as well. Is the guy who's kind of creepy, but he might have something regarding his situation, and there might be a reason why he's yeah. part of this whole element. So I, I just found that to be interesting. Summer Phoenix, I thought she was interesting. It's it's a weird performance because she has to play the mother and she gets probably she plays a mom where meaning that there's really you don't really get to dive deep beneath the psychological stuff a lot of it is inferred because she's trying to protect her her daughter but i think for me it's a really well done film really enjoyed it from amy redford let's get to I think I liked it a little bit more than you, Bruce. Let's see where Eric Holmes lands on what comes around. Yeah. Eric, what do you think? I'm just baffled that I'm liking all these slow movies that normally I hate Bruce loves, but uh, I I really like this one a lot. I I find it strange that you thought that the the second act gets fun, (laughs) but uh, it's, it, it, it definitely takes a turn and it wasn't one that I, quite saw coming and it also makes all the the family drama stuff very complicated and not to get into spoilers for sympathy for the devil but there's a lot of uh, parallels between what comes around in sympathy for the devil as well or you know the people you think are innocent might not be so innocent the people you think are evil might not be so evil that you know that kind of thing and yeah, uh, Kyle Gallner plays Eric, so I appreciated that right away. <laughs> I probably would have liked to have my name represented in a much less creepy character, but, you know, you take what you can get. Yeah, that, that, this was one that kind of started, and I was like, oh, no, it's going to be one of these. And then as it went on, and I do agree with Bruce, this is definitely a, kind of a lifetime movie, but I like those sometimes. But, yeah, the plot kind of plays out like one of those. Once the movie kind of got going, and then... By the second act, once the once you start finding out what's really going on, I'm like, oh, tell me more. And I, I I was locked in for a good portion of this. Yeah, the movie is weird because it, there's a lot of misdirection. I'm thinking, I'm watching the movie. Where does this score come from? Or why is this movie shot like this? Why is the movie paced like this? What is this movie trying to say? And I mean this in the best of ways. It just threw me off guard it it misdirected me so much that by the end i was saying yeah i, I kind of dug this movie it, it's one of those things i don't even know if i'm making any sense but it was just one of these it does yeah it has a like that lifetime feel but it had there's some creative flourishes that i don't know just interested me and threw me off guard a little bit regarding what comes around now let's get to ratings bruce berkey your rating of what comes around last thing i was going to say i was wishing almost that this would have veered a little more camp like it could have really this tell me if you think you agree with this. I think this could have benefited from a really, really cheesy, great 
flashback sequence. I think we needed a flashback of something that happened mm-hmm. before. I think it would have it would have very much dedicated been better by that uh, but i wanted to be more campy anyway i liked it when it did things that's like a whole uh, different movie that's a whole care. different movie <laughs> it would have been a better movie <laughs> but, but again it would it did things, okay. i'm not saying that's that wouldn't that that's not a bad movie that you're just saying right that's a pretty good movie with that you're mentioning the campy stuff i like that one. i like that idea for example there's a scene okay. early on in the go movie ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. where kyle is he thinks alone in the house or he is alone in the house and he doesn't know if he can leave or not and they kind of play that whole sequence out. And I love that sequence. And I think they could have done even more with that kind of weird tension. Anyway, beyond that, uh, three stars. <laughs> three stars is where I'm coming with this one. I am giving what comes around solid recommend. Three and a half stars for me. What about you, Eric Holmes? All right, geez. I'm going to be the highest one on this. Yeah, uh, I really like this. like the lifetime nature of it. Loved where the story went. Well, I didn't love it. I hated watching it. But like it, it, it was done well. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, cause the stuff that happens is kind of chill inducing, I guess. And Kyle <laughs> Gallner's just been on banger season as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going to go four stars on this one. I, I can't remember. I, cause I like this one more than Mother May I. And we're about to, yeah, you gave Mother to, May I three and a half. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, then four, then four stars is about right. Could even go four and a half, but th- this was a good thriller, I guess, if you want to call it that. I'd probably not, but, um, yeah, I definitely recommend, um, and if you like lifetime movies, this is gonna this like top tier lifetime movie. All right. So that is what comes around again only in theaters August 4th. Speaking of Kyle Gallner, Kyle Gallner is back. Oh my gosh. A couple of weeks ago, you 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 guys uh, what you did the review of Mother May I, and now we have this Blumhouse film called The Passenger. <laughs> I don't normally get visits from former students. I just, I needed to tell you how sorry I am for, um, about what happened. Sorry, uh, let me just answer that. Hello? What? Wait, slow down. Oh, my God, that's horrible. Is he... Okay. Someone just assaulted our vice principal in the parking lot. No, no, Benson. Oh my no, God! No, what are you? What away. are you doing? This isn't what you want. You don't know me. Why are you doing this? Because Randy, I have been watching you. You are 20 years old, and you are already more pathetic than every person in this godforsaken town, and that bugs me. There's something about you. There's something fixable. I mean, hell, when you were standing there, watching me, waiting for me to kill you. That was the only thing I believed. And if I'm going to help you, then I can't have you getting in my way. Because it forces me to hurt you. I need you to work with me, not against me. Don't do this. I'm doing this for your own good. Here's the thing. It's not in theaters on August 4th. It's available on digital and on on demand. So this is one of these things where you can purchase, rent or purchase The Passenger on Friday, August 4th. We'll see if Bruce and Eric really enjoy this film. Johnny Birch told he plays this sort of meek, uh, 20-ish, some, we, we actually, you actually know what his, his age, but let's just say he plays someone in his early 20s, Johnny Birch told, and he's just a meek dude working at a fast food restaurant and the movie begins with him 
just getting a talk from his boss saying that, hey, you, you really don't, you seem like you really care about your job. Why do you care so much about your job? <laughs> your, your actual boss is asking you and you're working. He's asking, asking the, the Johnny Birchall character, why do you care so much about, and Johnny Birchall plays Randy. He's at Randy, I think Bradley is his name. He's mm-hmm. asking Randy, why do you care so much about the job? And Randy just doesn't know what to say because he's just, trying to do a good job at the restaurant, at the fast food place. And he's being harassed by a coworker and a coworker and his presumed girlfriend who also works at the fast food uh, chain, fast food restaurant. And they're just giving him the business. And the other employee in the restaurant is the fast food place is Benson played by Carl Gallner. Benson does not like seeing his coworker, Randy getting berated by their coworker. And he doesn't like seeing Randy just basically being bullied. So Benson actually does something about it. I'm going to leave that up to Eric and Bruce to figure out, should they mention what Benson does in the actual fast food place? We can get to it in a second. But ultimately what happens, the rest of the movie has Benson taking Randy on a road trip, forcing Randy to go with him on a road trip, shotgun in hand or shotgun in car. And the rest of the movie deals with the relationship between Randy and Benson. Benson, again, played by Kyle Gallner, is trying to get Randy out of his shell and trying to take tell Randy to take actual control of his life, not be bullied, not have people actually tell you what to do, but start being sort of a commander of your own ship. It's pretty funny that he's getting this kind of life advice from Benson because Benson does not seem like the most sane person in the world. We're going to get to Eric Holmes first regarding The Passenger. Should we say what happens in the fast food place or should we not? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Benson sees uh, Randolph getting picked on and he's like, I'm going to take you on a road trip. And it just becomes a nice buddy road trip comedy. It's it's something you can bring the whole family to. It's not like the restaurant is covered in ketchup and they got to clean it up. It's not they. it doesn't get messy or violent or no, it gets very violent and very messy. And uh, this is uh, the. I I think I think it's fair to say that because otherwise, when you describe yeah. it, it sounds like a, a family, a family uh, lifetime movie you take the kids to, and this is not that. This kind of has a lot of uh, similar energy to Dinner in America. This isn't funny like Dinner in America is, although it's got you know it's got its humorous parts. But this is like a Dinner in America is like a dark brooding stepbrother maybe i don't know but uh kyle gallner i mean what dude is just killing it lately just one movie after another at least ones i love i don't know about you guys but i'd love that i think he gives one of the year's best i honestly i think he gives one of this year's best performances yeah yeah especially and i think with uh mother may i and what comes around the thing is i saw this movie before both of those I saw this like almost like a month, a couple weeks ago, but I saw them before I saw those two. So my ratings on those two were directly informed by this one because I love this movie so much that like the other two kind of paled in comparison, even though I liked them. But this one was just like, yeah, the, this this movie was awesome. They, you had the Kyle Gallner, who's like the basically the villain, uh, but he's like, you know, he wants to help out Randolph. So, you know, uh, hey, your your girlfriend broke up with you. Uh, why is that? I don't know. If she got a dog, I can't remember what it was. Well, let's go talk to her. And so he's trying to do like a, almost like a Christmas, uh, Christmas Carol thing. Like, let's go to your past and see if we can, you know, fix since you're your past sort of thing. Uh, but he does in such a creepy villainous way. Then the ending happens and the ending's really great and everything <laughs> leading up to the ending's great. And that opening scene where, uh, they, uh, make friends in the uh, restaurant is great. Everything about this movie is great. Go watch it. Pretty simple review. I was short and sweet. Your thoughts yeah, this, on The Passenger? I'm pretty high on this movie, too. I'll throw a couple other movies out there that aren't exactly the same, but give you some also similar vibes. One would be Training Day, and yes. the other would yes. be uh, The Hitcher. Now, it's not the action. Okay, here's my warning up front. I think some people may see the poster and may even hear the setup, like the inciting incident of this movie, and think it's going to kind of be a cross-country fight against natural born killers. the law, the natural-born killers, or, uh, I mean, Thelma and Louise, not really, but, you know, Thelma and Louise, something like that, right? Where you just, this is kind of this road trip outrunning the law, and it is not that. It's, it's not. And I think that what Eric kind of described is a much better way to look at it. I think the heart of this movie, and what 
if you can get into the vibe of what this movie is and not what it isn't, which I have a hard time doing sometimes with movies. So I think the last one, I just did that. Um, <laughs> but if you get into what this movie is, I think you can really enjoy a lot of stuff here. And I would absolutely agree with Kyle Gallner's performance. Uh, it's really good here because he has to go, he has to be menacing, but you also have to see just enough humanity with him that he's not just a monster, right? Like he's got his humanity side to him. That's there's something, the fact that he's there with um, Bradley, Bradley, right? Uh, with Bradley yeah. is something you're wondering what's going on. And, and I think the heart of it is this, and this, the heart of this movie is it's kind of like people get abused, really horribly abused at, at an early stage in their life. And you always talk about like, you know, like, that creates another monster, right? Or does it create, what kind of person does it create? And it's almost like you have the two sides of the coin, right? These two characters are the two types of people that get created by horrible abuse. And unfortunately, the one that's gone to just lashing out at the world kind of haphazardly is trying to teach the other one (laughs) how to become more like him. And that's the really interesting thing about this movie. So it gives a really interesting character arc. I do want to, everything you called out was great. There's great stops along the way. So it keeps the pace of this movie going really well. You've got a trip to this place, then a trip to this place and trip to this place. Like every 15 minutes or so you have a trip to a new place. I do want to call out because all of the other things are great and the ending's great. And there's a bit to, to a toy store and a school. That's really great. There's a visit to Kyle Gallner's character's mom. Liza Wheel. Yeah. I'm Mrs. Miss Beard, but the actress's name is Liza Wheel. No, no, no. No, no. I'm talking about the early visit to Kyle Gallner's mom. I gotcha. I gotcha. To Benson's mom. That scene. That is is Sue Rock. Sneaky, terrifying, and amazing, and is absolutely necessary to understand Kyle Gallner's character and understand the relationship, what's going on there. I think this is a pretty, pretty great movie. Yeah. Also, great movie. Also, uh, real quick, back uh, to the school part though. Before they do find Miss Beard, you get you get so much backstory on yep. Kyle Gallner's character, and they say yep. nothing. It's yep. all inferred, and, and this movie has a bunch of stuff like that where they just kind of they kind of just touch on things. They don't outright say it, but if you're like if you're hell, you don't even need to be paying attention. If you're like if your eyes are pointed in this general direction, you kind of you kind of get the full backstory without actually getting the full backstory. And because it's the whole point is that Kyle Gallner is actually, actually teaching Bradley a lot, but not what he thinks he's teaching him. That's the whole point of this movie. <laughs> he's, he's, he's teaching him like the way you said, like inferring by inference, what to really learn, what's really important to learn. And it's, it's kind of really, really smart the way that script is written in that sense. Right. And Bruce mentions Bradley. That's his last name. And the reason why is it's actually a, a, a point in the film where yep. he's, his name is Randy Bradley. And there, there's someone says, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. You have two first names. So Randy Bradley, you can, his name tag says Bradley. His first name is Randy. And there's a reason why the why Randy Bradley doesn't really care if people call him Bradley or Randy. You'll get to know that reason through via. It's, it's not inferred. There's an explanation regarding the backstory of his name, of why he is who he is. And that is played. We mentioned Gallner a lot, but Johnny Birchtold is fantastic in this movie as well. He has to keep things really hidden and insular, and he's sort of our cipher through the entire narrative. But sometimes when you're a cipher, you just become invisible and part of the wallpaper. But there's something about Johnny Birchtold's performance where he's not He's not just a person who's reacting to the situation. Your eyes actually train to him. He's very, very good in this movie. You mentioned Eric Holmes, Liza, what, Weil or Wheel? I don't know how you pronounce her name. W-E-I-L. Wheel. Yeah, Liza Wheel. She plays a former teacher of Bradley or Randy Bradley's, and she is great in this movie. This is, you know, again... This is on the on demand and on and digital on Friday, August fourth. I may just actually, I might you know what I'm not going to wait until it hits and it hits MGM Plus later in 2023. I may even just purchase this movie. I love The Passenger so much. Final thoughts from either Bruce or Eric or both. Final thoughts on The Passenger before we go to ratings, Bruce, Eric. 
good uh yeah this is real i I also kind of want to point out that the the way this movie's set up is it reminds me a lot of a tarantino movie not Mm. with like the tarantino like dialogue but like um the way that just kind of the tone like it Mm -hmm. you know it it can have like a real suspense and then all of a sudden it gets real bloody and then it becomes a hangout thing and then it just becomes like you know so like the the tone goes all over the place but it's very assured of how it does it kind of like how tarantino watch you know you'll watch people talk and then just all of a sudden like violence erupts it's like whoa what the hell and then it goes back to normal it it has a it has a lot in common with that and i shouldn't have said that because it's not the style tarantino style you probably think of but it's got that kind of pacing to it i guess I would just piggyback on that. Um, the visual storytelling here is really good as well. And I want to say things like, for example, in that opening shot, you know, you've got uh, Bradley. <laughs> I'll keep calling him Bradley. <laughs> you've got Bradley getting bullied. And you haven't even really met Kyle Gallner's character. He's just kind of in the background, like sweeping and mopping and stuff. And then just the way they 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 let him just be in the background. And then when he comes into the foreground, and then there's a scene in that same sequence where he walks out of the restaurant and then walks back to the restaurant so it's just orchestrated film language wise in a really confident self-assured way that draws you in as a viewer and there's multiple scenes in this movie where there's some really interesting visual stuff going on um not flashy uh not really calling attention to itself and some you know like tarantino would (laughs) you know by putting a dotted box and things like that you know that's not doing that kind of stuff but it's it's doing something visually more interesting and, and clever than just sitting and shooting a two shot, you know, it's good. Right. And look, Bruce, the passenger could have been shot with coverage, two shot static shots, and sure. it still could have worked. Oh yeah. But the fact that they, like you said, they added that extra layer of visual storytelling. It just bumps this up to when I say B movies, I expect sort of a, a little bit of a handicap in the visual story, te- storytelling. Maybe they didn't have enough time or they, they just want to get coverage on that day and were really focused on the story and the low stakes or whatever. The indie. I really, this is one of the movies where you can actually put on again and watch just for the visuals, just to see how the compositions work, how one scene leads to another, the editing. It's just a beautifully done film. And actually, Eric, I haven't listened to it yet, but you interviewed Carter Smith eons ago. I, I need to put that up on the YouTube channel. Do you remember your interview with Carter? Was it good? Yeah, it, it wasn't very long, but it was, uh, we, we got the, he used to be a fashion photographer. So that probably, and, and we started talking about Kyle Gallner's, his character's, uh, his green fuzzy thing that he wears. Yeah. It's like his Nirvana and, sweater, but kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's exactly what he says. <laughs> oh, I, I called that. I can see that. And just the best use, ironic use of a motorhead shirt too, I guess this movie too. So Yeah. So uh, like uh, a lot of his uh a lot of his instincts come from his uh photography background and, and which explains a lot of kind of what me and Bruce were talking about as far as like the setups and the actions and stuff totally makes sense because uh you know you get uh pictures worth of you know you, you get to speak a lot with the language of film you get one picture to speak the language of photography you know to tell the story so yeah, that yeah, probably, cool. probably explains yeah. why this is so damn good. For the passenger, all three of us give it five stars. And yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, five stars for me. Five stars yeah. for, for Greg Srizavasti. I'm saying my, my name in the th- third person. Uh, Bruce Berkey, you're next. You know, I was at four stars, but the more I've been thinking about it and talking about it, I, I think I'm five stars too. I, I don't have anything bad to say about this movie and only good. So let's just call it five stars. Yeah. And Eric Holmes, unfortunately, only gave it two stars. I don't know why. No, what the heck? Oh, what the <laughs> hell was that? Thing? Eric Holmes. 6.9. This is 6.9 star banger. 6.0. Oh but but five star Again. banger for the newspapers. Not, we're never going to be in a newspaper. I love this movie. This, Dreaming Wild, What Comes Around, a little less good. But I mean, guys, I've said before, we're in banger season. We're in banger season. This, my gosh, this is Eric Holmes Positivity Week. We love it. These are all three features Dreaming Wild, The Passenger, and What Comes Around. Again, what comes around is in theaters on August 4th. What At least Bruce gave it three stars, and I, I gave it three and a half, and Eric gave it four. What's interesting is when I talked to Amy Redford, and she was saying that these type of indie films that come out in theaters, kind of, hopefully they get supported. They find an audience because the more people see independent cinema in theaters, the better chance that these things will survive, at least 
come out, you know, because Bruce, yeah. you remember in the nineties, we used to, these type of movies would be all over the place in the movie theaters. We'd give it maybe a week or two to, but now the commerce is so different that we're just expecting as cinephiles, even if we're, even if we appreciated those type of movies in cinema, we're just saying, Oh, we're just going to wait till on digital or on demand. It's a weird way to distribute your content. Now it's just, yeah. I feel bad for people that they don't get a great selection. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, or it just gets lost in the mix, right? Like they have a great selection, but it's too too much of a selection. So they just, they don't find it, which right. is why you and listen to our podcast and listen to our ratings. <laughs> <laughs> and look, our favorite movie this week is The Passenger. It yeah. should have been in theaters. It, yeah. It's uh, it, When we used to grow up, this would have been, oh my gosh, this would be our counter programming for the weekend to watch. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but look, I'm not complaining too much because it's going to be on digital, on demand. I'm going to put up a link where you can actually purchase Purchase it via our Cinematics Amazon link and give us some money now. But most importantly, tell us what you think of The Passenger. Again, five stars, or, or actually in Eric Holmes' cases, uh, 6.9 stars all around. All right now, let's get to our recommendations. Let's go to Eric. You have Alien Planet. What do you want to say about that? Uh, so I got to interview the writer, director, and the one of the actors. He played the mon- Eric Prochnow. He played the big monster, Alan Maxson, writer, director of Alien Planet. <clears throat> this is an extremely low budget movie done with mostly practical effects. We get we oh geez, we talk forever. Alan goes heavy into like what was done to make this movie, like uh, the practical stuff, any of the editing, CGI stuff that he had to use. The basic story is it's uh, two warring alien factions uh, have to find this thing on this planet and this thing will revive their planet and bring water back to their planet so they can live because they're running out of water and they're all dying. And the two aliens uh, races hate each other. It's very similar to Enemy Mine, but the way that this was shot and kind of the mindset behind this is this is a lot more fun than enemy mind this feels like the special effects feel like more like a guar movie or they feel like a psycho gore man but like without it doesn't quite have the humor of psycho gore man but it's got kind of the same uh aesthetic as that and it's just uh you know it's just really fun really cool uh super low i th- I think it costs like 60 70 70 000 to put it together and it's just a fun indie movie um I suppose it, it's out now on Blu-ray. So if you can find it on Blu-ray, get it there. It's also, uh, you can find it streaming. Yeah, this was, uh, this is the kind of movie why I invented Three Star Banger. This is like right in there and go check it out. Alien Planet's pretty fun. And it's got this little uh, puppet thing called Guy Ree, And I want a Guy Ree puppet because it's <laughs> funny and bloody and adorable. And it throws up on you and revives you. <laughs> okay, so that's... <laughs> Directed and written by Alan Maxson. That is Alien Planet, available, like Eric said. It's available for streaming right now, and it's also available on physical media, specifically Blu-ray. Check it out. And Eric, that's, you gave it a three-star banger for Alien Planet. Now, Bruce, you got you have something for us this week for a movie you saw in theaters over the weekend. Yes, I went and watched um, Talk to Me, which is the newest uh, A24, but it is not like one of those super, I mean, it's A24, but it's a horror movie, but it's not like a super slow burn, you know, hereditary kind of a movie. It's, it's a little more of a straightforward horror movie. But also on the other side of that, I think it's one of those movies that's getting super duper hyped. It's like the scariest movie you've ever seen in your whole life. Oh my God, here it is. So it's it's not that either. I think if you go in, um, kind of like we said with with uh, The Passenger, if you go in with the right expectation, I think you could have a ton of fun with this movie. Um, go in knowing it's much more of a creepy, um, really cool concept and uh, a study of a character going down uh, a pretty dark path. And the basic concept is this, if you have not seen it, the uh, trailer or anything for this is that you, uh, it's Australian production, by the way, by uh, Danny Philippou and Philippou and Michael Philippou. They're brothers, I believe. And they also run a YouTube channel called Raka Raka, which I have not looked into, but I suppose supposedly it's very popular. Um, Raka Raka. And they, the basic concept is this, there's this, this kind of a urban legend, kind of a party Thing that's going on it's showing up all over youtube and stuff you just kind of see it in the corners of the of people's phones and stuff as you're watching this movie 
But the main character and a couple other people go to this party and they they pull out this, it looks like a stone or a ceramic hand. And the basic concept is this, instead of like a Ouija board or something, you grab the hand and you say, talk to me. And the minute you do that, you are melded in with the other side. And then if you say the next step, which I won't say what that is, you really get sucked into that world and you have to get out of there within 90 seconds or something pretty crazy might happen. And that's kind of your basic setup. And it's a really, really fun and interesting. I'll say it's fun. I'm using fun the wrong way a lot. Let's just say it's a really interesting ride and downward spiral for your main character. So was this just a worth that the money you spent in the theaters? I, as I think it was. Just... I think it's really, really uh, solid. I mean, for me, it's four star. I can see some people go even higher. I think most people will be pretty satisfied with this, especially if they've been burned by other A24s. They think are way too heady and cerebral. I think this one's a little more grounded for a lot of people. And I think they could get like into that. So you're giving it four stars, which is an above average rating. And you mm-hmm. basically, it's a good movie. What kept it from being five or the next level of excellence for you, Bruce? Um, Maybe. I mean, it could go higher on me still. I mean, maybe for me, it's just that it didn't, it didn't like go over the top as far as really scary or super duper bloody. Although it has a couple of scenes that are pretty disturbing and violent and stuff. They're not, it's not like out there. So for me, it's like as a really, really seasoned horror, like fan and, and watcher, I guess, there was nothing there that like, like was super, super surprising, although the actual setup and, and execution was was fairly unique. So I think that the the, set, the execution really got me. The story itself was a little bit been there slightly. So that's what brings it down from like a five to me to a four. Possibly, like you said, the people who could give it the five are the ones who are probably, it might be feel very new to them. So who knows? It'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely want to check out Talk To Me. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Uh, thank you for that. Also, before we get to your final recommendation, Eric Holmes, streaming on Peacock is a movie that I believe our brothers in arms, brethren Anderson Cowan loved. It's called Feels Good, Feels Good Man. And the IMDb plotline is, quote, artist Matt Fury, creator of the comic char- character Pepe the Frog, begins an uphill battle to take back his iconic cartoon image from those who used it for their own purposes. Again, streaming right now on Peacock. Bruce Perky, you're the one who saw it, directed by Arthur Jones. Is it worth a stream? Absolutely. This is really, really good, especially if you like documentaries that this is all about documentaries that give you things you just don't know anything about. Maybe you know a ton about Pepe the Frog. I just know it as that weird meme for <laughs> 4chan weirdos, and and I don't even know exactly what it meant, but I saw it. You know, that one of those kind of things. It does. It's both a great documentary kind of showing how this artist who just made it as this dopey stoner comic that had absolutely nice, good intentions, nothing evil, finds his creation turned into, literally turned into a, a symbol for hate speech and just kind of that path that it goes down for him. And then the other side of it is it just works as a great documentary on the insanity that we found ourselves falling into over the last, I don't know, how many years, but at least the last six or seven years uh, with this crazy uprising of this kind of troll element becoming the the norm, you know, becoming the mainstream. And uh, it just delves into both those things in a really interesting and vibrant way. And I think this is exactly what documentaries should be, you know, something that's just fascinating all the way around. It sounds very immersive. What is your rating on it? I went four and a half on this one. Four and a half. Nice. Nice. Yep. Very good. And fine. It's okay. So again, that is feel, feels good, man. That's again, a recommendation from Anderson. Bruce picked up on that and definitely listen to Anderson and bald Brian over at the film vault, but feels good, man. I definitely want to check this one as, out as well. Eric Holmes, you tried to sneak in a movie while we're actually recording the effing podcast. What is till <laughs> death do us part? I don't have it in my emails. Did you watch it? So we, uh, it's just, uh, Basically a bride, you know, runaway bride situation. She goes, uh, she, uh, something goes wrong. She doesn't want to get married. And then she goes to, uh, this, uh, far off like a cabin. And then the, uh, best man, uh, Cam Giganday, Giganday, Gigandet, uh, shows up with, uh, seven grooms. Gigande. His name is, yeah. Gigande. Cam Gigande. That's how you pretty Gigande. Cam Gigande. Right. Yeah. All right, so Cam Gigande, uh, the best man, shows up at the place where the bride is with seven groomsmen, and they got to go bring her back. 
and she is not having it. And she's getting, they're going to try to kill her and she's going to try to kill them or she's going to be successful in killing them. And it's just, uh, this is just a complete B movie, but it's a pretty fun B movie. And the fact that this is playing in, uh, theaters, probably good spot for this. I don't know that this quite reaches three star banger status, although maybe it does probably three and a half stars, but Jason Patrick's in it. Jason Patrick's awesome. And Cam, uh, Gigande is doing yes. all the acting in this. <laughs> he he leaves no acting stone unturned in this uh it's just com- just completely over the top orlando jones is in it uh poncho muller it's just it's just a real fun movie it's the best man the groomsmen are trying to break in it's a siege movie they're trying to get the bride and the bride's not having it so the bride's killing them it's like a smaller b movie version of kill bill more or less okay so that's three and a half stars so that is a solid recommend from you Eric, yeah. that's till death to his part. It's in theaters on August 4th, basically. Yeah. It's in theaters. Is that yep. what it is? Okay. So, so that is that is very good. Well, did you see Shrapnel? You haven't gotten to Shrapnel yet, right? No, I have not. I, I thought we were doing that for next week. No, no, no. That came out last week. Oh. Shrapnel came out last week. I, yeah, yeah. So I suck. the reason why, Eric. I'll rewind is, it. Is, uh, Jane, yeah. Well, anyways, uh, oh, and that's, sorry, that's William Kaufman, the guy who did the channel. No worries. Yeah. I didn't have it on the Google Doc, but it's interesting because... Jason Patrick and Cam Gigande, they star in Shrapnel. They're the leads in Shrapnel. That's why I was oh, till death do a stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Jason to... Jason Patrick, yeah. Jason Patrick is the lead in in Shrapnel. And he plays it. Yeah. So I, anyways, I'm very interested. I, oh. I gave Shrapnel a pretty good review. And it stars Cam Gigande. And he plays his right-hand man in Shrapnel. Actually, that's in on digital and on demand right now. That's a very interesting movie. So to Jason Patrick, but this one, Jason Patrick's not really in till death do his part too much, Eric. Not, th- not that much. Uh, he, so he's in flashback portions and then he shows up again at the very end because the, the, there's like this whole, this whole story that kind of, he just seems like a background character at first. And then as the story goes on, like the main meat of it is the groomsmen trying to get in to kill the bride and the bride kicking their ass. But it every once in a while, it'll go do a flashback with uh, Jason Patrick and his wife. And there's something going on there, but you don't quite know what it is until the very end. Okay. So that is Till Death Do His Part from Eric Holmes. Again, three and a half stars, August 4th in theaters. Might be a movie I might want to check out down the road as well. So we will, we're leaving right now because Bruce is previously, he's somewhere in his house, but Who's we're going to sign back? off. He's coming back right now. He's coming back right now. Bruce can... is actually going to, for next week, Bruce is going to do Thirst for his What's in the Box. Bruce, I was just going to mention that on What's in the Box, you were going to do Thirst, but we're kicking that we're kicking the can for Thirst, right? For next week? Yes, next week. I just didn't have a chance to get to it this week, so we'll do it next week. That just gives me a chance to hopefully see Thirst next week because I love that director. I don't know. I'm guessing the director who, Bong Joon-ho, is that the director for Thirst or someone else? Park Chan-wook. For Thirst, that should yeah. be an interesting... Oh, I I even love Park Chan-wook. Yeah, I love Stoker <laughs> so much. Anyways, yeah, my bad on that. My bad. So anyways, Thirst will be our What's in the Box. So Peter Beta, you're going to have to drop that little silky beat next week. We love Peter Beta and his crew over at Middle Class Film Class. Also, shouts, shout outs to um, William Lindis from Movie Bears Podcast. He just celebrated his 41st birthday. Happy belated birthday to you, William Lindis. And also, uh, who, who else are we forgetting? Joseph Bridges from our, and Matt Stillman, Chad Wilfong. So many wonderful people who give daily re- movie recommendations for our Cinematics Facebook group. Make sure you join us over at Cinematics Facebook group. We do daily movie recommendations and a lot of movie talk there. It's really good stuff. Do you endorse my plug Eric Holmes regarding the Cinematics Facebook group? Yes, I do. It's a great Facebook group and a bunch of great people on it as well. Okay. Okay. Final uh, thoughts from you, Eric? Any kind of thing to I talk? just want to go over, uh, uh, just uh, blast out a couple of movies that are coming out next week, August 11th. Some of them we'll be covering. Uh, some of them we won't, but they look interesting. We got The Last Voyage. The Last Voyage of Demeter, the crew members of a boat transporting Dracula are mysteriously picked off one by one. I uh, believe we are covering the pod generation. Um, Neil Blomkamp's yeah. Gran Turismo comes out. I think that's about a kid that played the game Gran Turismo and became an actual race car driver. We'll see how that is. Yeah, uh, we will be covering Jewels. I saw that. Uh, it's very sweet, very uh, heartwarming movie and pretty cool. An old mm. man 
uh, alien crashes in uh, Ben Kingsley's backyard, and it, it, it crushed my azaleas, and we got to do something about it. But everyone just thinks he's nuts. It's kind of, now that I think of it, it's kind of similar to Alf. We also <laughs> got uh, we also got Three Days in Malay with uh, Louis Mandalore. Um, and I, I don't know. We- think that's it maybe maybe i missed something but i i yeah that that's a couple things coming out following week on the 11th all right cool we'll be back here for next week august 11th and per usual final thoughts from bruce Berge. i oh what do i have to say i don't have much to say other than uh we should have mentioned mitch burns too if you want to hear me talk some more you can hear me talk over on uh, the film balters i did that a couple weeks ago so there you go How was that you hear film more of terrible voice oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bruce Berkey. Bruce Berkey, we love Mitch Burns over at The Hollywood Persona and The Film Vaulters. He has a couple of podcasts there, and he does a lot of work for The Film Vault. So we will see you next week here. Thank you so much for listening to us on Cinematics and being our wonderful fellow cinephiles, fellow cinematics. We'll be here next week. Thanks,